When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ben Bullen. And I'm Scott Benjamin. Scott, I would say that we are two pretty nice guys. Fair assessment? Yeah. Noel, what do you think? Noel's not in his head. Uh, in the affirmative. Yeah, we like to see the uh, silver lining. We always play devil's advocate, even when uh, off air, frankly, we know something might be a little bit of a... Uh, Bullsnot. Sure, we give them the uh, benefit of the doubt. We sure do, and mm-hmm. I think it's important to do that. Uh, so it takes us it takes us a little bit of extra preparation when we talk about today's topic, which these are just going to be no ifs, ands, or buts. No way to polish this turd. Worst cars. That's right. Yeah, some of the uh, some of the worst cars. I think the worst cars of the 20th century is maybe the best way to say it. And yeah, that's a good way to I say mean, it. 100 years, that's a that's a long span of time, and it goes way, way back. So, you know, of course, it goes way back, 113 years now <laughs> at this point. Right. But um, it goes, you know, back to the beginning of the automobile is what I meant, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about cars right from the turn of the century up till now. Now, most of these cars you're going to find don't really, um, on our list, rather, the ones that come from the uh, the How Stuff Works article. You can follow along with us at home if you like, as that's kind of what we're going to do here. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go with our own list. But a lot of these cars come from like the 1950s on. Right. And uh, we also, as you said, Scott, are going to be adding in some of our own takes on this. But let's go ahead uh, with the 1950s on and let's start with what I'm going to say. You know, it's tough for me to be rude about this, so I'm trying not to pull any punches or anything. This is a ridiculous idea. Really? You think so? The Dodge LaFemme? Oh, that's the one. Yeah, that's uh, that I would say is a ridiculous idea, Ben. All right. So in the 1950s, uh, cast your memory back there with us. Uh, the there are a bunch of Dodge executives, sales guys sitting around talking, <laughs> and they're saying we need to uh, we need to figure out how to uh, encourage women to buy some Dodge vehicles. And that's a great question. They're trying to grow that demographic. However, they're their plan wasn't the best. Yeah, they go about it uh, the complete wrong way, I guess. Uh, they, it, it's very, uh, I don't know how to how to describe this car, maybe the best way. It's it's the mid-1950s, so 1955 to 1956, and there was a car called the, the Dodge La Femme, and it was a, a, a mimic car, not a mimic car, a, um, a brother car, sister car, I guess. Hey, there we go. Sister car, maybe, of the uh, Dodge Royal Lancer. It right. Was, it pretty was also much the same car. Yeah, pretty much the same car. Um, but the, but the La Femme package had a couple of different options that, uh, that the execs thought that the ladies would like. Yeah, and all of those options somehow involved pink. Yeah, yeah, pink and white paint, uh, pink tapestry seats. Yeah, that, like rain caps, hats, yep. and an umbrella. Yep, yep, and even he came with a matching purse that had a compact mirror, lighter, and the li- and lipstick included. How much you want to bet the lipstick was pink? Uh, I would bet anything, yeah. And some of these are purple, and, you know, they have these, uh, a lot of them have a... Uh, a base coat of white that's you know accents with purple, and the mm. interior is just about what you would expect. Um, it's just really frilly, and and it didn't sell well at all. Right, because it's a little condescending. Mm-hmm. The uh, the the thing with this, what's interesting about this as a quote unquote worst car, 
is that it's not a car with horrid performance or something. It's just a car with horrible marketing. Exactly. Yeah, it was just a just a bad idea, I guess. And they moved on quickly because it only lasted about two years. So the yeah. next car, I think, on our list here, and again, we're following with the How Stuff Works article. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, number nine might surprise some people, but there's a good reason if you read the material below it. Now, the car on the list uh, for number nine is a Jaguar XJ220, and that was built from 1992 to 1994. And some people are saying. What? What's wrong with you guys? What's wrong with you, Scott and Ben? That thing has a V12 engine, all-wheel drive, all-wheel steering in the 80s. Nope, does not. That's the uh, that's the problem with this one. The uh, right. this one had that was the concept vehicle, Ben. Right. So I you're know. thinking of the uh, the one that they the Jaguar revealed early on and said, "Here's the car that we're promising." Exactly, because that's not the car that they got. Yeah, that's right. This so this V12 monster. I mean, it was just a it was a, a striking car. I mean, of course, it was beautiful design. Sure, I, mean, I, I like it a lot. I mean, we've we've blogged about this one even. I saw one mm-hmm. on the street recently. Um, you know, it had these uh, scissor style doors that open upward, and um, it cost a hundred thousand dollars just to reserve one of these cars. So, and and again, those those scissor style doors, V12, the all wheel steering, all that stuff is a. Um, was just what people were seeing on demos. Yeah, in 1988, which, which is still impressive. Very impressive for 1988. You got to you got to put yourself in that time frame as well. Mm-hmm. So, one hundred thousand dollars to reserve one of these, and of course, a lot of people said, "Oh, I'm in. Here's my hundred hundred grand. I'll wait." And they waited for four years, Ben. They waited. waited they waited until waited. 1992 when Jaguar finally built the XJ220. But the problem was. It wasn't the car that they promised. Yeah, it was a different car. It had uh, it had some um, it had some changes from the concept model. <laughs> Major uh, changes. Yeah, just rear wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, different engine. Uh, yeah. just a six, right? Yeah, they had a six cylinder engine. Now, I, I mean, they had this massive V twelve engine that was that uh, was supposed to be just you know out of this world performance wise, and uh, they shrunk it back down to V6, or rather just mm-hmm. a six-cylinder. Mm-hmm. Um, the the rear-wheel drive thing, of course, you know, it was supposed to be all-wheel drive, all-wheel steering, which was remarkable at the time. Right. And that's gone. Yeah, and uh, the doors are not scissor doors no, anymore. No, it's just regular doors, like regular plain old doors. Now, I know that doesn't sound like much, but when you add that on to everything else that was changed about the vehicle, mm-hmm. that becomes a big deal. And there's still one more thing that made this such a horrible car buying experience for people. Scott, some customers were understandably teed off. Yeah, the ones that plunked down, what, six figures Mm -hmm. in order to get one, right? Yeah, and uh, they didn't want to play along. They they said, this is not the car I was promised, and uh, the company sued the customers. Yeah, the customers refused delivery. And then the company, Jaguar, said, well, you know what? We're going to sue you, and we're going to keep that money. And uh, horrible PR move. I don't know wow. what they were thinking. Stay classy, guys. Exactly. Yeah. So that was a, a bad, bad move all around by Jaguar. So, you know, what could have been a, a fantastic car in history, and it, and it still, in a way, is. I mean, I still I still appreciate it. See, I think the hype defeated it. Yeah, I you think You know what so I too. mean? If they had just come out with it on time. It, it was overhyped. And you know what else was overhyped? I believe it would be... The Edsel. Yeah, the Ford Edsel. Now, Ford really overhyped the Edsel um, early on, and they made it seem as if it was going to be some amazing, amazing supercar. But a lot of people quickly found out, as the article states, that what these were were like a, a poor man's Mercury. Uh, it was just not a uh, – and that's how the article puts <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it just didn't flush out to be what they thought it was going to be. It was only produced for two years, really, mm-hmm. 1958, I think, to 1960. Um, I thought it went back to 57, but maybe it was introduced in 57 as mm-hmm. a 58 model or something like Probably. that. Probably, and uh, they didn't even ship it – in one piece to the dealers, oh, right? That was the other thing is that, you know, aside from all of the, um, you know, all the controversy, I guess, when they said, um, you know, people were having to push these things home from the dealership because of quality, you know, poor quality and, you know, all that mm-hmm. that we heard about the Edsel. Um, it turns out that, you know, some of these cars are being shipped to dealers missing parts, you know, saying that we're going to, we're going to send you these parts if you do, you just got to put them on yourself in order to, uh, in order to make it a full car. Yeah. Which is, uh, a little bit unusual I, to say things. I would say so. Now, I know that dealerships always do like little add-on things. Like we're going to ship, you know, it, back when antennas were, you know, metal and straight and on the front fender. Oh, we're um, old. Yeah, they would, <laughs> uh, they would, you know, unscrew those things and put them in the trunk with a mm-hmm. kit, you know, like maybe with the radio or something. You'd sure. have to install that stuff. And I understand all that. But um, I, I think these are missing bigger, major components and saying it's nearly complete. 
you guys finish the job and then you can sell the car. Which, uh, yeah, which is not, not the best, uh, strategy. Speaking of bad strategies, hmm. are you, are you ready for this one? I'm I, just, uh, absolutely am, yeah. I'm just gonna read, I love, this is one of my favorite sentences in the article, so I'm just gonna read it. Okay. We're talking about number seven, the Cadillac Cimarron. Uh, <clears throat> General Motors figured it would be a good idea to take a Chevy Cavalier, dress it in Cadillac drag, and charge twice as much. You know what? This article, <laughs> can I tell you something? This article, this whole thing, this uh, worst cars of the 20th yeah. century, it's full of little gems like that. The uh, the writer, her name is uh, Kristen Hall Geisler, and uh, it's just funny throughout. I mean, I like this article a lot. There's a, there's a lot of good quips in here. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, it was a Chevy Cavalier that they just threw some uh, Cadillac badges onto and, and very little else. I mean, they may have... Updated a few things in the interior. I uh, gave it some exterior appearance. Yeah, but all cosmetic. Items. All cosmetic. All stuff. cosmetic, and it was from 1982 to 1988. I think the the biggest engine you could get was a, a 2.8 liter V6, um, and they also had a 1.8 liter and a two liter, um, you know, four cylinder, both of those. Um, man, what what was Cadillac? Brand thinking, or what was uh, what was General Motors thinking? I guess I don't think Cadillac wanted much to do with this, really. Yeah, uh, well, their idea was they wanted some. I think what they wanted was a cost efficient way to compete with the big boys in luxury, so Audi, BMW. I, I don't. Okay, I'm shaking my head because I can't figure it out. I had a, I had a friend who had one of these. His parents had one. Oh, really? Yes, I did. And uh, in it was in high school. Uh, his parents had one. I'll tell you the thing was always broken down. Now, I don't know if that was just their specific car or what. Ooh. I mean, they took pretty good care of their cars, really. And uh, it seemed like it was always, you know, if it, if it was a V6, it was always running on like three cylinders. You know, it was just in, <laughs> it was, it was in that poor of condition wow. all the time. And it seemed like there was nothing they could do to fix that thing. Now, okay, no, it's not the parents' fault in this story. Like, it's they're, no. they're maintaining the vehicle. No, they did, yeah, and okay. it just would break down that often. And that, that just happened with this thing. Now, I don't know if it was just their Cimarron or not, but, you know, it seems like, uh, from what I've read, this was the case with a lot of them. And and I just, I'm, I'm really trying to wrap my head around what Cadillac was thinking when they allowed their badging to go on this thing. I, I would think that somebody would fight that. I'm sure that they did. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a company. There's a hierarchy. Yeah, of involved. course. Of course. But, but to compete with BMW and Audi and those guys, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, I, look at, looking at the cars that Audi is producing in the 1980s, they're nothing like they are now, of course. Right. They were a different breed of car, really. Um, I don't know. I, I still don't see it. it. It's not even close. So here, um, this, this kind of big company decision that General Motors made, mm-hmm. uh, it was a bad move for the company. And that's sometimes what happens when you get involved with a really, really large company. So maybe you would think, hey, I'm going to strike out on my own. I'm going to make the kind of car that I want to make. Uh, and if you did, you would have made something like number six, yeah, the, the DeLorean. Uh, the DeLorean DMC-12. Now, this is only produced for, I think it was officially one year, but um, <laughs> yeah. it shows up as two model years, 1981, 1982. And uh, of course, we know the story about John DeLorean. We've talked about him at length. Yeah, we have a we have a show on the DeLorean, and we we bust some of the myths, we confirm some of the rumors, we explore the facts, and we tell you uh, how to get a DeLorean of your own if you still really want one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, one of the things that the the writer points out here is that uh, the electrical system often failed. Uh, sometimes it even trapped the owners yeah. inside the car because the the gullwing doors, which were very cool, by the way, the gullwing doors, uh, you know, wouldn't operate. Uh, they were leaky. Um, it just the car was always underpowered. It never really yeah. had the power that anybody really wanted. I don't think the article even says that, but um, it, it never had the power that everybody thought a, a car that looked like this should have. And part of that is also because the weight to power ratio was just way off. This was a heavy car. It really was, yeah. And people collect them. People are excited about DeLorean still. Yeah. So you know, if you find one, if you see one, you know, people still you know pull out the camera whenever they see one on the street or you know parked in a garage somewhere or anything. They're they're very excited about. About them, and with good reason. I mean, they're they're an interesting car, an interesting footnote in American car history. Not American car history. World car history. Irish car history. Irish car yeah. history. <laughs> Which is strange, an Irish sports car, but it is. Yeah, uh, that's another thing. Um, they were built in uh, Northern Ireland, and uh, the workers were not particularly well trained. Is the way that the story usually goes. Yeah. Now, I think I think part of that again, we talked at length. It's very very difficult to start your own car company, start your own factory, 
things are going to go wrong. I don't want to be too hard on the factory workers, um, but the truth of the matter is that the, it has design errors. Yeah, and, you know, can I just be, be really blessed. honest about yeah, it? Yeah. What really took this down, and I, it's not a surprise to anybody, what really took this company down was the founder, the CEO. Yeah, John Z. DeLorean. Yeah, I mean, just uh, the drug charges and all that that came about in the early 1980s, and it just uh, that was it. I mean, it was over at that point. It was over before it began, even, really. Yeah, it, he kind of self-destructed, and, um, you know, it makes me sad, like a lot of people. I also really enjoy the premise of Back to the Future, mm-hmm. so um, I think that's one of the reasons that the DeLorean is going to continue to be an iconic car, despite not being the best car, and uh, I got to ask you, since we're talking about movies, mm-hmm. I need some advice, Scott. Sure. Uh, do you, you know, I, I do a lot of stuff. I have actually got some free time. This uh, this Saturday. Well, you know what? I've got a uh, a great movie pick for you then, Ben. Okay. Uh, it comes from Netflix.com, and uh, it's uh, you know one of these instant watcher things. So you can watch it right away. Oh, better, um, even better. And, and this is brand new, Ben. This is one that we can finally, finally include in our movie picks. What is it? The Italian Job. Oh, we've talked about this. It has just been released on uh, on Netflix Instant, so uh, you're able to watch the 2003 version of uh, The Italian Job, not the original yet. That may be coming. I don't know. I can't really speak to that. But um, the Italian job from 2003, this one's the, the PG-13 rated one with uh, Mark Wahlberg mm-hmm. and Charlize, Charlize, <laughs> Charlize, Charlize Theron. Yeah, I can hardly say that name. Ed Norton, which, by the way, anything that Ed Norton is in. Oh, will, yeah, the guy's will, gold. I will watch. So yeah. um, a lot of other people. Seth Green, um, ah, Donald Sutherland, all those guys. Anyways, it's a heist film, so what more do you need, really? That's pretty much all I have to say about this one, but I, w- <laughs> I will tell you more. Um, it takes, it's a little different than the original. It's set in Venice, Italy, um, then kind of moves over to Los Angeles after the initial heist goes on. I'm not really giving anything away. Okay. Um, but, uh, the mastermind is basically double crossed by one of his own team members, and then, you know, they, they spend the rest of the film trying to figure out, you know, their revenge. How are they going to get it back? But the real stars in this thing, according to me, are the, uh, and I think, a lot of people are the uh, the Mini Coopers, and these are the. Of course, it's the 2003 version, so these are the new Minis that are in this one. Not the 2006 Minis, but the ones you know, the first generation Minis. Right. And uh, they were brand new, you know, back on the scene, I guess. And uh, so the original, or the original Minis were in the original movie. The the new Minis are in this movie, and uh, they make a, a pretty dramatic appearance, I guess, in this film. You know what, Scott? Uh, sold. You you had me at heist film, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you kept me with the Mini Coopers. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media. 
as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hmm, yep, we're, got, we're on to number five. We're on to number five. Yep. Kaiser Fraser Henry J. Yeah, that's right. And this is a car from the 1950s. So it's 1950 to 1954. And uh, just, oh, man, I don't know what to say about this one. I don't have any personal experience with this or anybody or know anybody that really has one. But it's but like legendarily bad. It really is. I mean, from what I've read about it, I mean, I've read quite a bit about it, more than just what's in this article. But it was just a, a bad car. I mean, just overall, like the the quality was low. Uh, people thought it was an ugly car, which you know, looking back, I mean, we have nostalgia for this type of thing. You know, the night cars of the nineteen fifties, right? You know, to me, it looks like a pretty cool car to have parked in the garage, really. Yeah. But, but at the time, I think people really weren't impressed with the styling. They just didn't think it was a quality car. And uh, they were right. One of the one of the interesting notes that this article includes uh, talks about how the quality was so low that in some cases it was dangerous. Uh, the metal, the dashboard was painted metal, mm-hmm. and uh, people could knock their teeth out yeah. if they if they hit it. And I'm sure they often did. Yeah, that's right. So it was uh, it was just a, a bad car, Ryan. Just I guess cheap is the way to say it. I mean, yeah, it didn't it, perform. It had two it had two engine options, both of which were bad. Yeah, they were uh, low, low horsepower. I mean, like 68 or 80 horsepower. And when you look at the car, you wouldn't believe that 68 or 80 horsepower would really do for that type of car. Um, just it didn't last very long. It was like three years, maybe in production. Mm-hmm. And that was about it. So, not a not a good car, not so, a great car. Yeah, if you're in the market for a '50s car, regardless of how nostalgic you may be, do not buy a Henry J. Well, well, we can't say that then. We could say that you know collectors or somebody would want one. Well, but, collectors can buy one, yeah. yeah. But if you're only going to get one. Wait for another one. How about this? Not as your primary transportation. <laughs> you know, because if anybody's really considering buying a, a 1950 Henry J for their primary getting around town car, I would say no. Well, if their heart's already set on it, who are we <laughs> to stand in the way? Um, Is that oh, enough disclaimers? Those are enough. Okay. All great. right. So, uh, step to number four, real quick sidebar here. Do you remember when Coke 2 came out? <laughs> yes, I do. I really do. The, the new Coke. Yeah, the new Coke. Yeah. What what a crazy uh, failure that was. Yes, it was, as was the uh, Ford Mustang 2. Yes. And, uh, man, this is number four on our list, the Mustang 2. And, uh, oh, boy, I don't know how to feel about this, because there was one version that was pretty powerful. And I do want to talk about that one. But what we're talking about here is the kind of anemic performance of the um, – and, and I say that, you know, because – the Mustang itself, you know, the original Mustang yeah. had so much power. It was such a cool car. It was a pony car, of course, very, very strong, um, exactly what people wanted at the time. And then they had to kind of cut it back uh, due to the oil embargo in the 1970s. Okay, so it's like it's sort of the Mustang 2 is comparatively anemic. Yeah, I guess so. It's like Mustang light, I guess, <laughs> if you want to put it that we couldn't way. couldn't call right? it Diet Mustang. No, and, and really what it is is they, they took – uh, the Ford Pinto, which and the Bobcat, I guess, was around at the same time. Yeah. Um, they took those and the original Mustang design, and they kind of mixed the two designs together, and they ended up with this this Mustang II, which is a you know very small car, compact car, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Had a small engine, a 2.3 liter inline four, a 2.8 liter V6, and then another version that I want to talk about in just a minute, but. Um, it, the styling, nobody really liked the styling at all. Um, it, it was way, way reduced in power, yeah. uh, which is what people had come to expect from the Mustang name. And, of course, a lot of cars were going through this at that time. So the ni- early 1970s, you kind of have to give some of these manufacturers a pass and saying, well, they did what they had to do in order to sell cars. Right. And I think that is a very fair way to say it. I can I can see you being careful not to spit on the grave of the Mustang, too. Mm-hmm. And I respect you for it. Yeah. Um, I will say that uh, I think they should have just given it a different name and branding. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah. But then what happens to the Mustang during that time period? You know, does it go away? Because, you know, things like that, if they say we're going to bring it back in five years, uh, sometimes that doesn't come back. So yeah, I, I applaud them right. for keeping it alive, I guess. You're yeah, right. They did it's... name it Mustang 2, and then Mustang 2 did go away. So uh, it's a, it's kind of a gray area there, what it's, happened. Yeah, it's a rock and a hard place situation for sure. Yeah. <laughs> did you notice that in this article, and, and you can find it in the source list on, on this article, um, there's another book out there that has, you know, kind of a list of worst cars, of course. Uh-huh. There's lots of lists like this. Um, 
this vehicle received the number one pick in a book called Crap Cars. Yes. And yeah. uh, that'll give you an idea that, you know, it's not really all that favorable among people that like automobiles. This is also one of the few articles on a website that uses the phrase craptastic. <laughs> yeah, that's right, it does. Yeah, that's a Simpsons thing. Craptastic, uh-huh. craptacular. Craptacular. Yeah, a lot of these cars are craptacular. Um, speaking oh, of crap, oh. I need to go one more one more quick thing though. Yeah, on this car, and I mentioned that there was one version that I do like. Before, oh, that's before right. We move yeah, on yeah, to the yeah. third. There was a, a version of this, the Mustang Two, that had a four point nine liter V eight. It was a three hundred two, and that was a strong little car. Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, well, so I mean, just saying that you know, imagine that car that we're looking at right now in this photo yeah. with a five liter engine in it. Okay, see, I think that would have made. Uh, frankly, that would have made a hell of a difference. Yeah, I think so. And didn't those have like a little, they had, they had graphics on the side and like a little Cobra and everything mm-hmm, and the Cobra mm-hmm. on the front grill. Those were pretty cool little cars. Maybe they should have just sold those. They maybe caught, did they, was it Cobra 2? I'm going to have to look this up, but um, it seems like my grandparents had one of those. Oh, that's cool. I believe they did. Yeah, like a, a white one with blue stripes or something like that. Your grandfather had a lot of cool cars. He did. He and uh, my grandmother. Uh, so number three is a returning champion in one of our from one of our earlier worst car episodes. Yes. Um, you guys, Scott and I set out to do a Cars of Eastern Europe or Cars of the Iron Curtain episode. That was it, and we didn't know that it would slowly morph inevitably into a worst cars episode. Yeah, but it did quickly, didn't it? it? Because sure a, did. a lot of them end up on a lot of these different lists that we're talking about, and uh, it made it onto our list, uh, mm. the Trabant. Uh, from 1957 till, believe it or not, 1990, this thing was made um, in East Germany, and then 1991 in just, just Germany, after the uh, fall of the wall, of course. Yeah, and we don't have enough time right now to talk about how bad these cars are. <laughs> no, we don't need to because we, we've uh, pretty much at length described some of them. But a couple of things, I mean, we can talk about the bodies, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, the the bodies are made of duroplast. <laughs> yeah, which is recycled cotton and wood fiber that was uh, backed into plastic, and they called this stuff duroplast. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can read all about duroplast and other vehicles that used it because, you know, it's... Uh, it's a time when you you know, may do with what you had, and this is what they had. Yeah, if like if MacGyver built this car, I would be uh, I would be impressed, but not surprised because yeah. it looks like a car that you would build from spare parts. It sort of does. Yeah, it's very very right. simple, very plain, straightforward, with and pretty uh, much a lawnmower engine. And I'm going to read another line from this because it's a funny one. Um, they lack such fancy refinements as brake lights, and they smoked like they were they like they were electing a Polish Pope. <laughs> so that's a great line. I love that. But yeah. um, uh, they they did require a gas oil mix because they had a two cylinder engine. And uh, you know another thing that we talked about in that that Iron Cars episode, man, you look at the picture of that car. You had to wait ten years to get a car like that. You had to wait, uh, you know, maybe it was a little less, maybe it was a little more. Right. Uh, but you went to the Department of Motor Vehicles uh, for the state, and you put your name on a list, and you waited literally ten years for a and new And then car. you probably had to pay a series of bribes yeah. to move up on that list. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's tough. And it, uh, what you got in return was uh, was not worth waiting for. I I'll like tell you that. You know, I like that Iron Curtain episode though. Let's. Uh, Anybody who's listening who hasn't heard that yet, check it out, you guys. It's a pretty good one. Um, Chevy Vega, number mm. two. Yeah, this one. Now, this one has a little surprise at the end of the uh, of the information. Um, now, 1971 to 1977, the Chevy Chevy Vega was produced, and it's a uh, it's a smaller car, not a not a big full size car, or anything like that that we were used to in the early 70s, late 60s. Right. Um, but you know. DeLorean had his hand in this one too. I think he was uh, head of Chevrolet at the time when this one was designed. Um, it just it never really caught on. It was um, it was it had poor build quality. You know, it had mm-hmm. really really thin sheet metal and a lot of rust issues with this car. Right. Yeah. The uh, the rust proof coating was notoriously spotty, mm-hmm. and so it, depending on where you were, if you were in a place that had annual snowfall then you could say goodbye to your fenders. Exactly. It had a lot of engine problems in that um, the engine would get extremely hot, so hot that it would uh, would distort the head gasket, uh, which was, you know, of course, that's very, very important. You don't want to screw around with your head gasket. And, and this thing, if they're being distorted, warped, whatever, yeah. that leads to major engine rebuilding issues. So, you know, these things, they had a lot of problems, um, and it wasn't just 
problems with the car when it was finished. It was cars, it was problems with it when they were being built. There was a labor dispute that was going on at the General Motor plant where these things were being built. And get mm-hmm. this, Ben, aside from all the other things that are wrong with this car, right. the workers were actually sabotaging some of the cars that were going down the line as they were being built. Who knows exactly what went on there? I'm sure that you can find some more detailed information about exactly what uh, sabotaging the production line meant. But can you imagine, have, I mean, being a, a company that's trying to put out a, a good product, yeah. they're having a dispute, I understand that, but the workers that are that are tasked with building that product to keep you guys, you know, to keep themselves and the company alive are sabotaging the product that they're trying to sell. That that thinking process, that that thought mm-hmm. process, it's beyond me. I don't understand how they pool. would do that. It's dirty pool. Very dirty, but but it also just makes no sense. They're hurting themselves in doing that. I I'm going to really have to dig into the uh, the the the, the whole Vega, story. Yeah, the Chevy Vega line and see what happened. You know, at that time, because I bet there's some interesting stories. All right, now there that I agree with that, and we should do that. Um, but now, Scott, it's time to. Uh, have, Noel, could we have a drum roll? Maybe something dramatic. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, Scott, will you do the honors? I will. Our crowned number one pick of the worst cars of the 20th century, the Hugo GV. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't think that'll surprise anybody. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> here's another article. This is another sentence from this article, just a piece. Um, Malcolm Bricklin didn't invent the Yugo, but in 1985, he did begin importing the super cheap cars from the Soviet satellite state of Yugoslavia in an apparent attempt to make Americans prefer walking. Ah, very well put. <laughs> yeah, because uh, honestly, a lot of these drivers ended up walking to wherever they were going or having somebody push them off to the side and then get in a tow, whatever. Yeah. Um, man, these are just... I don't know what more we can say about them. Uh, We've already the electrical systems bad. We did cover bad. them. We did cover them in the uh, the iron curtain iron did, curtain car yeah. episode. Um, 
surprisingly enough, they were built until 2008 in Yugoslavia. I think actually, I think it moved out of Yugoslavia at that mm-hmm. point, the, the production facility. Um, they were only imported to the U.S. from 1985 to about 1992, which surprises me. Um, I just I can't believe how poorly these vehicles were made. They were the the butt of every joke on you know late night comedians, you know talk show hosts. Um, everybody was talking about the Yugo and how. Yeah. Just the, the poor quality. And, uh, and it showed in every aspect of the thing. The exterior design, the interior design, the quality, the electrical system, yep. the engine, uh, the suspension, everything was, there was, it seems like there was no part of the Yugo that was really well done. And it was so bad that one of the questions that you have to honestly ask yourself is, why continue building this thing without improving it? That's yeah. the problem. And Malcolm Bricklin, he's got kind of a spotty past with uh, the industry here in the United States as well. Yeah. I mean, he had the Bricklin SV1, which is the safety vehicle, I think is what he called it. It's kind of that supercar-looking thing. That was a uh, not a, not a success, so let's just put it that way. Uh, but he also was in charge of bringing these cars, and he was one of the ones that was uh, was fronting bringing uh, some of the Chinese cars to the United States, the ones that didn't have a lot of the safety uh, it, you know, applications that we're used to having here, like no, right. no airbags, no uh, no side door bolster, no you know, roll cage, yeah, no roll cage, no, you know, all that stuff, you know, analog brakes, all that stuff. None of that stuff was in these cars that he's talking about. So he's got kind of a, a spotty history in the type of vehicles that he wants to bring to the United States. Um, so a lot of people aren't a big fan of Malcolm Bricklin or the vehicles that he brought in. And let's do some honorable mentions because you and I found some stuff. That didn't make it on this list. I'm just going to say one, and then we're going to go down your list. Oh, okay. And we'll end on the surprise. And I have a surprise at the end. I know. I know you do, man. I don't know what it is. Everybody listening, I have no idea what the surprise is. Um, I just want to point out that the Pontiac Aztec, um, unfortunately, was just a butt-ugly car. Yeah, aside from being used in uh, as a cool vehicle in Breaking Bad, right? You know, I think that was a statement about the character of Walter White. I think so too. I mean, you know, you know the, how deliberately they pick those types of vehicles, right? Uh-huh. I mean, so there was a, there was a reason that uh, that he's driving that vehicle, and uh, the Aztec it just always seems to make near the top of these lists, these worst cars lists, um, inside and out. I had heard. Now, I was working at GM as a contractor when these th- things came out yeah. initially, and. Um, well, during the time period, I guess. And um, I heard that it from there, of course, you're going to hear different, but I guess they said if they could get a customer into one of those things, if they could get them to drive it, they would really like it. You know, that it was a, yeah. a nice vehicle for the price. It was, you know, big and roomy, mm-hmm. had a lot of great features. Uh, it was just that the car was so ugly. Yeah, that's the thing. This is the reason this is an honorable mention is not that it has, you know, huge systemic problems like a Yugo or, or something, but it's just that. It apparently it was the outside appearance is the result of a series of compromises. Yeah. And you know what? This car, I mean, I've heard this somewhere. I don't remember exactly where. Now, I know Pontiac brand kind of hung on for a while, but uh, a lot of people, if you want to call it credit, they credit this no vehicle way. with taking down the Pontiac brand. I don't know if that's 100% true or not, but uh, I, I don't think it helped much. Let's put it that way. You know, I drove two Bonnevilles, right? <laughs> no, I did not, but uh, that's that's good news. <laughs> They're huge. I'm just glad I was in Aztec. But okay, so let's let's see what you got, Scott. All right, so I'm just going to kind of uh, laundry list these things really quickly for you. Okay, maybe one or two little points on these things. Uh, the 1971 Ford Pinto. Um, oh, that and, rear gas tank. And huh? you know what? I'm going to mention the Mercury Bobcat because that one was like the sister car that, uh, you know, the, the, the Mercury version of the Ford Pinto. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's the one that, you know, would explode on rear impact really because it didn't have the shielding that it required for the fuel tank. Um, 27 deaths, Ben, because of that thing. And it cost, Terrible. and it cost Ford millions of dollars. And I can't tell you how much it cost them in, uh, public relations disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, just, People really shied away from the brand for a long time after that because of the, the Ford Pinto. Um, I'm going to list the the 2007 Jeep Compass as one. And uh, I know some people may think, like, why are you listening to Jeep here in a new Jeep, by the way? Um, the base model, you got to remember this. This is, a, this is a base model Jeep vehicle. And ever since it was introduced, I just felt it didn't fit the Jeep line. This is a personal pick. Okay. Um, I don't see it on any other list, really. Um, it was a two-wheel drive. It was a front-wheel drive vehicle. But it, but here's the thing. It was a front-wheel drive only. 
there's a base version that didn't even have four-wheel drive. Now, you could get that as an option. Okay. But this is a Jeep vehicle, and it's the first for any other Jeep vehicle to be front-wheel drive and front-wheel drive only. Shouldn't it be four-wheel well, drive? Well, you then? know, that was a base version, and I don't know what the, the, the reasoning was behind that. Is that oh. they, they offered it, and it was low cost, and, you know, it, it sold well for the Jeep brand. So I guess in that way it was a success, but I didn't like I, Boy, I just never liked the Jeep Compass. Not to step on anyone's toes or anything, but... Um, <laughs> I still don't like it. What's next? Uh, the 1993 uh, to 2005 Dodge Neon, the original Dodge Neon. Uh, and I know a lot of people have had these because, oh you know, God. these are kind of like the Ford Escort, uh, you know, that type of vehicle. It seems like everybody had one or has one or yeah. knows somebody that has one. I just i have never really liked it. I mean, I, there was an ACR Neon, uh, which was a uh, like a, a street race car, really. It was a different version. And, uh, and I did like that one. Of course, there's the SRT4. That I've got to mention because everybody will get mad if I don't. But and those were great. I I do admit those were fantastic cars. But I'm talking about the base Dodge Neon. I think it was called the Chrysler Neon in other countries. Um, yeah. Just the standard base Neon. I didn't the first generation. I didn't really dig that much. Didn't okay. like it. Um, I don't blame you. How about the Reliant Robin? Oh man, <laughs> you you must like this one. No, a I love bit. the name. Yeah, it's a cool name. Now it's a three wheel car, Delta configuration, so it's got uh, one wheel in front, two wheels in the rear. The problem with these these things is that they roll over at every every a, time you turn. Available them. opportunity. Every available opportunity. Well, okay. Here's why I'm I'm sad about it. You are right. Um, you are right. They're unstable vehicles. Mm-hmm. That's that's the bottom line. Highly unstable. I just like I. It bothers me when a new innovative design doesn't do well because that kind of door, once it's, once it's closed, once one thing bad happens with like a three wheel vehicle design, then everybody in the industry gets wind of it and boom, there's no more for like 10 years. Okay. And I don't expect you to answer this, but then what about all the other three wheelers throughout history that were successful and were beautiful and were well designed and didn't roll over at every corner? Yeah. And still, uh, still didn't set off a big three wheeled, um, revolution, right? Because I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of three wheel cars. I think mm-hmm. they're really, really cool. I love cycle cars. I love, I love all these three wheel cars. The Reliant Robin, I'm not crazy about the design. I don't think it's really, I don't think it's good to look at at all. I just don't like it. Yeah. It looks like it was, it was uh, a bigger body that they just kind of folded under onto a tricycle, uh, <laughs> setup. Looks like and, some uh, If you want to get, and I'll, I'll move on, I promise. But sure. uh, if you want a really good laugh, there's a Top Gear episode. With uh, with Jeremy Clarkson that drives drives the uh, Reliant Robin around town, and he r- must roll this thing over six, seven, eight times. I don't know. It's hilarious. And he, every time he waits for somebody to upright him before he does, he doesn't get out and do it himself. I don't think. Um, <laughs> it's it's hilarious. It's a very good one. I mean, of course, it's funny to watch. He's so tall, anyways. It's fun to watch yeah. him stuff himself into a little car. All right, I'll move on. K cars. Any of the K cars. The Chrysler K cars? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I know that they did what they were supposed to do. They saved the Chrysler brand. They, yep. were, they were a big deal at the time, and they, were, they used this uh, kind of innovative new platform uh, system where they could put different bodies on different uh, chassis and engines. And, you know, it was really kind of a neat system, like a Lego system almost for cars. Yeah. Um, I understand all that, but they just look terrible. All right. You know, I'm... I'm on board. Okay. And I'm not saying anything about the quality, but there were some quality issues there, a few here and there. They just uh, they didn't do too well. Um, Chevrolet Chevette. I'm almost done with my list, by the way. Okay, well, uh, stop before you get to the very last I one. I will. Okay. I will. Chevy Chevette. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 1976 to 1987. Can't believe it lasted that long. My uh, my stepmother drove one, took it in for something underneath the car at a certain time. I don't know when it was, like a suspension job or something. Mm-hmm. Um, the mechanic asked her how many times it had been wrecked, and she said it's never been wrecked, and it, she had owned the car from brand new. And it turns out that the car had bent its own frame just driving over a period of time. What? Yes, it had a bent frame, Ben. That's what eventually led to the demise of, of her car. Um, and the quality inside, let me tell you, it was it was uh, not fun to ride in. That's terrible, yeah. man. Okay. 1980 Chevy Citation? 
Ooh. Remember those cars? Yeah, um, kind of a mix of cars there. I, I forget what they call that whole group of cars, but the Chevy Citation in around 1980, I had a few friends that had one. My, my grandfather again had one. He loved his. Um, but, you know, it seems like my friends' cars were always broken down, always having troubles. They were always suffering. There were something like nine recalls. Um, everything from fuel lines to steering, suspension. Yeah. I mean, nine recalls is a big deal on a car, major recalls on a car. What about, wait, how far are you on your list? I got one more. Okay, wait, is this the one? Is this a surprise? No, no, not the surprise, but let's, let's just throw in any Daiwoo car. Um, <laughs> and 1982 to 2011, kind of a GM property, but uh, there was some changing going on. Yeah, I'll totally. just say any Daiwoo car. I've got one. Okay. Before, because I wanted to see if you're going to list it. Uh, do you remember the Lincoln Blackwood? I do, yes. Lincoln's, uh, Lincoln's attempt at a luxury pickup truck, mm-hmm. which is just, Mind-bogglingly, not the best idea. Well, you know, they do the Cadillac Escalade, I guess. But you know, the the thing is, like this one had pinstriping and a lot of wood accents and chrome and all kinds of stuff. It was uh, uh just wasn't everybody's cup of tea, really. Fifty-two grand for that, Scott. Fifty-two thousand dollars, and it and it's missing a lot of the stuff you would expect to get for fifty-two grand. Oh my gosh! That's... So I don't I don't think it's necessarily a really bad vehicle, just probably overpriced. Mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't have four-wheel drive on a truck, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, but that's it. That's all I've got. All right. Since this has gone kind of long, I'm going to keep this, you know, mercifully brief, okay? <laughs> but um, I do want to mention that, and I, I think this is going to take kind of the, the uh, this is the crowning jewel of all bad vehicles right here. Yeah, okay. And uh, right. I I know there's some curiosity that's being peaked out there about which one it may be. And I think a lot of people have forgotten about this in, in history. But you got to remember... Cars weren't always what they are now. I mean, the seats would, you know, be threadbare after 10,000 miles mm-hmm. uh, because there was no quality standards that were adhered to. And, you know, that just doesn't happen anymore. And cars are generally well built. Well, this car comes from uh, the late 1980s to about 1990. And it was a car that was modified uh, for the U.S. market. And it was to compete with a, a van. It's a, it's a small van uh, made by Nissan called the Nissan Vanette. And it was specifically the second generation from 1985 to 1994. Um, again, I said they were here from 1987 to 1990. Um, this is the one that was affected. What makes it the world's worst? <laughs> this, this, it was, it was modified for the U.S. market. Uh, they stuffed a larger engine into it, a 2.4 liter, um, engine that was meant to, um, accommodate things like AC and additional things that, you know, the U.S. market required. Yeah. And, uh, it wasn't ever designed for this larger engine and it created a lot of heat, a, a lot of heat and it caused engine fires and it caused engine fires to the point where they recalled the thing four times for engine fires. Wow. That's a major issue, engine yeah. fire. It's not like, you know, this bolt may be loose and you may experience, you know, mm-hmm. uh, longer. So stop swing period. by the dealership when you have a no, chance. No, no, this yeah. is four times for engine fires. Wow. And now there's this class action lawsuits, the lawsuit that's in progress. You know, they're, they're ready to go with this thing. Nissan makes the move and this has never, ever been done before. They recalled every car that they sold in the United States. Brought it, you bring it back into the dealership and they gave you blue book value for your car, a check and a discount for a new Nissan product. And then they crushed or shredded all of those cars. Every single one of the Nissan Vanettes that were brought to the United States. Now, unless somebody said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep mine and I, I will sign this waiver, you know, as, uh, as, you know, I, I don't uh, hold you responsible for any of this, but they brought back every single car that was sold in the United States, crushed it. And then gave them money for them. Wow. Now that's a bad car. Yeah, that's like so in the earth with salt. That seemed, now I don't know why that's not number one on everybody's list because that is a, that would be the worst car, I think. You know, I still have, uh, some candidates in my head. I couldn't think of what, what I would call the world's worst car. I can think of some that are up there, but I have a hard time just picking one and saying, you, specifically stink above the rest. Well, it's because, you know, now they're kind of, most cars are relatively well, you know, high quality. They or come, at least come to the United States. A lot safer. So it's tough to go back and look at some of these obscure brands and really get a, a sense for what they were like when they were brand new. Mm-hmm. You know, like in 1965, if everybody was getting a certain type of vehicle and they realized like, well, 
this is, uh, you know, I'm having problems. So is, uh, you know, Mr. Smith down the street and so is Mr. Jones up the street, the exact same problem. Uh, then you realize like, well, there's a trend here. There's something wrong with this car. You can't really do that looking back because now it's a classic and, you know, who knows what it's going <laughs> right, through. So, you know, like I, I had a 1917 Marmon and that thing was always falling apart. What right? a POS. Yeah, exactly. But who's, who's around to really compare notes with you now and say that that was the worst car ever or anything like that. So, um, it's tougher to go back and look at old cars um, yeah. and determine what was happening at the time when they were new. That's a really good point. We do have a bit of a, we do have some rose tinted glasses when we look back, especially at the history of classic cars. Um, now, I want to say to all the listeners, thank you guys for uh, hanging out and listening to some of our ideas on the worst cars of the modern age. I know that there are some people out here right now, Scott, who are saying, why didn't you mention this thing or that thing? You know, like, um, I'll just name drop the Geo Metro. My parents had one. It was horrible. Um, but... It wasn't quite bad enough to make it onto the worst, worst cars list. We want to hear from you guys. We want to hear your opinion on uh, some of the world's worst cars. Did we name something that you think is getting a bad rap? Did we name something you love? Don't say the Yugo. If you have anything other than the Yugo to say, uh, drop us a line on Facebook. Drop us a line on Twitter where we are CarStuffHSW. You can also visit our brand new website, CarStuffShow.com. Email us pictures of the world's worst cars directly. Our address is carstuff at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.